0: Welcome to another episode of I Am Nano.
1: Putting the I in I Am Nano, I am your host, Zerfani.
0: And I am your other host, Monica.
1: Alrighty, so a few weeks ago, the 2022 Nobel Prize winners in chemistry was announced, and it was awarded to Click Chemistry to Carolyn Bertozzi, Morton Meldell, and Barry Sharples. So this was a very exciting time. And when I was just going through the Nobel Prize website, I went to the 2020 winners, and I remember seeing CRISPR won by Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer Dudna. Now, this this was very exciting to me because yeah just Nobel Prize it's just amazing because especially with CRISPR (laughs) it only took eight years for CRISPR to win the Nobel Prize it was developed or this paper was groundbreaking in 2012 and just eight years later they won the Nobel Prize it's amazing
0: yeah it was very cool and also the fact that it reminds me of the graphene Nobel Prize for sure because uh, the graphene one I believe was the 2010 Nobel mm-hmm. Prize in Physics, so not chemistry, but physics, mm-hmm. um, and it's just—I uh, think that paper came out 2002, so also very quick. Yeah. Um, I would, so with the um, graphene as well, it, it's always nice when it's like the people that are that did the the work—they're still around to kind of talk about yeah, it yeah. Yeah. Uh, and like still go on tour, and so like this is a cool conference, and you can still like meet them, and that's um, amazing still work for them I should say I think that's the key one that you can still go work for them because sometimes it's a lot of professors emeritus that get it and then it's like oh well I can't go do a postdoc or I can't go yeah. do a PhD with you because you're not taking any more people you, can, you know it usually life. takes
1: a long time Which, well to you be should. to be fair
0: though um, Sharpless has one twice and you know it's very hard to right. get into the lab <laughs>
1: but, oh my god <laughs> yeah. To to know that you've contributed so much to science to society, and to win two Nobel Prize, it's just amazing.
0: Yes, that's true. And you know, huge props to um, all the women in science winning Nobel Prizes. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. it's good to, to get recognition for the work because you know there's oh, yeah. so much pres- prejudice as well. There's other things that you know microaggressions or anything like that that can be you know, part of you know being a woman in stem that happens mm-hmm. but it's not really reported so
1: it's nice always to get you're paving the way
0: not to say that it doesn't happen to all the other genders but
1: yeah <laughs> yeah but they're paving the way <laughs>
0: exactly exactly anyways so we've heard a lot about CRISPR but I think maybe many people don't really understand what it's all about so can you explain it to us funny?
1: Yes, yeah, so CRISPR. I remember reading about this back in undergraduate, and this was in one of the lectures that I had. And this was either on the same year or a year or two after the groundbreaking paper came out in twenty twelve, and it's just um, surreal for me to think back, it's like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize the significance of what I was learning because I don't really know that much at the time. But <laughs> but now that I'm looking back, I was like, that is so cool. I'm learning it as it was happening in real time. But um, anyway, so let's, let's dive in into how CRISPR works.
0: Yes, yes, because CRISPR is not about crispy potato chips, for sure. But I will add that I had the same feeling as you did when you were in your undergrad about the graphene, because graphene was the 2010 Nobel Prize, and mm-hmm. I was just like, starting why post-secondary education in nano Mm -hmm. and it was like oh yeah this is a brand new thing so it's always interesting like oh you're in it yeah
1: but you realize you're in it yeah exactly yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah
1: anyways okay so CRISPR stands for clustered regularly interspaced Short palindromic repeats. okay, so that's a pretty mouthful terminology yeah. there. but why we call
0: this, it CRISPR, yeah. <laughs> that's why yeah. that's what
1: we <laughs> just it. call it CRISPR. Yeah. So the system is naturally used by bacteria and archaea for their immune system and humans us have adapted it for gene editing technology.
0: Very impressive. Now the very the even more impressive part actually is that this system has been studied since 1993. And it took about 20 years for it to be implemented as gene editing technology. Mm -hmm. So previous gene editing technologies were quite hard to engineer to target different sites of the DNA. So imagine you have all of these sequences of nucleotides and you want to target a specific gene. You'd have to modify the system for the different targets. Now, previous technology has not been very flexible in this regard to the targets. And this is one of the reasons why CRISPR was so groundbreaking.
1: Yeah, yeah. So CRISPR is composed of two components. The first one is called, it's an enzyme, it's called Cas, which stands for CRISPR-associated endonuclease. So this enzyme cuts the target DNA. And then the second one is a single guide RNA that interact with the target DNA. The single guide RNA is a combination of two RNAs called the crRNA, which is the guiding sequence, and then tracker RNA, which is the one that holds on to both the crRNA and interact with the Cas enzyme.
0: Very, very cool. It makes me feel like you're in a science fiction, you know, type of realm, yeah. with tracker RNA, <laughs> CRNA. <laughs> anyway, so the endonuclease needs to find a DNA sequence called the protospacer adjacent motif. That's abbreviated to as PAM, P-A-M. And this is what starts the unwinding of the double-stranded DNA. If the single guide RNA is complementary to the DNA, the nuclease activity will start cleaving the double stranded DNA about three to four nucleotides upstream of the PAM.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's put it in simple terms. And this is how I kind of think about it in my head. So imagine a kid finding something they like, either it's food or toy or shoes or whatever. So this is like how the endonuclease is recognizing the PAM. And then the kid drags the mom which in this case is the RNA, to prove the toy or the food that they like.
0: That's a great analogy. I love that.
1: Yeah. So just imagine that in your head when you think about the system. Anyways, okay. So there are multiple Cas, which is the enzyme, available, but the most common one that is used is the Cas9 because of its flexibility in recognizing the PAM motif. And it can be in the format, it, it, it will be in the format of any nucleotide, so any of the four nucleotides found in our DNA, followed by the two guanines.
0: And, you know, that is what makes the CRISPR system easily modified to target many genes.
1: Mm -hmm. So now that we know how the CRISPR system works, the paper that we will discuss today is how scientists from Fudan University were able to exploit this CRISPR recognition system to make a wearable microneedle sensor. And yeah, that's kind of my thing. That's why I was so excited about this paper. Is. Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, okay, so as we discussed, the cast endonuclease can recognize the PAM, right? So this is like yeah. the kid recognizing the DNA sequence. And then the single-guard RNA, which is the mom, may come complementary base pairs with the DNA, and this recognition capability is exploited by the scientists to make the sensor to detect cell free DNA.
0: I think we need to clarify one thing. So, most people know that DNA is present inside the nucleus of a cell, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at least uh, I think that's something we should address or <laughs> just like have that statement in there. And actually, in certain medical conditions, the cells themselves can undergo cellular death and release their own DNA into the bloodstream.
1: Right, and in this case, the Epstein-Barr virus is the first human tumor virus associated with many tumors. And so this study here focuses on detection of the Epstein-Barr virus cell-free DNA.
0: And in this work, the researchers designed a CRISPR system to target the Epstein-Barr virus cell-free DNA, but the Cas endonuclease was inactivated. So the Cas and single guide RNA can find the target DNA sequence, but they do not cut the DNA. Mm-hmm. And so the researchers then, they immobilized this CRISPR system through covalent linkage on graphene coated microneedles. Oh, there we go, <laughs> another Nobel Prize <laughs> worthy in their CRISPR and graphene combo, double combo. Yeah. And so in this way, the sensor can conduct real-time measurements of the concentration levels of the EBV, which is the Epstein-Barr virus, cell-free DNA.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so just to keep in mind, um, the researchers tested their sensors perform on, on commercial electrodes first before making it into micro needles. And so what they're seeing here as well, what's interesting is that how the sensor measures the changes in the different concentrations, unlike the other wearable sensors that I usually see. So Uh what happens here is that when the Cas RNA immobilized on the microneedle binds to the target cell-free EBV virus, the negatively charged DNA, which is from the phosphate backbone, leads to the accumulation of counter ions, which in this case would be the positive ions, within a certain localized area of the graphene surface. And because of this, it kind of, you know, forms this ion permeable layer on the graphene surface. And it leads to a phenomenon called the Donnan potential. So when we apply an external potential, the resulting current observed will be proportionally correlated to the concentration of the cell-free DNA.
0: And when the researchers were testing the system, not only were they able to detect 30 to 30,000 Femtomolar of the cell free DNA. They also observed that there was a selection for the Epstein Barr virus in the presence of other cell free DNA, including the West Nile virus and dengue virus.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's put this into context 30 to 30,000 femtomolar. No, it's not your T molar teeth. But molar, measure. in this case, refers to a measure of concentration. So femtomolar is 10 to the power of negative 15. And then nanomolar, nanoscale, is 10 to the power of negative 9. So this is significantly lower than nanomolar, which means the sensor is really sensitive.
0: Yes. Which is a good Ultra
1: thing. sensitivity. Yes. For sure. And the
0: cell-free DNA is already at low concentrations in the blood. So the researchers actually used reverse iontophoresis to concentrate the DNA towards the sensor. Now ionophoresis has actually been used quite often to deliver molecules such as drugs across the skin. Reverse iontophoresis is the opposite where you extract molecules from the skin. And in this case, the voltage applied will extract the cell-free DNA towards the sensor.
1: Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the other thing is, when they were making the sensor, they used carbon nanotube-based electrode immobilized on a wearable patch. So this is, you know, closely exciting because I work, yeah. we work with carbon nanotubes. Um, so this makes the patch to have a very excellent mechanical properties from, you know, the bending and stretching when put on your skin. So it's going to perform quite well when you wear them on the body. So... Once they confirm, you know, the sensing mechanism of the sensor, they tested it on in vitro on a skin chip they developed themselves. Okay, so sidetrack a little bit here because I think (laughs) the skin chip is also pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, So the skin chip is consisted of microfluidic channels, a few layers of them made of PDMS with cells immobilized on the different layers of the pdms microfluidic channels to mimic the cellular structure of your skin and then between the skin layers the so-called skin layers they placed polycarbonate membrane to separate the layers so i think that's really cool <laughs> um so back again to the testing just like how we showed earlier, but then when they tested it on you know the commercial gold electrode, on the microneedle sensor, they were also able to detect 30 to 30,000 femtomolar of the cell-free Epstein-Barr virus.
0: And they also tested this on other cell-free DNA for detecting sepsis and kidney transplantation, believe it or not. Now, cell death or apoptosis, plays a huge role in sepsis, and so that's why we see cell-free DNA. Now for transplantation, as with the kidneys, the cell-free DNA is actually from the donor of the organ itself, so it could be likely from the cell damage from the donated organ.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of Weird to think about having another person's DNA. I mean, if you're but if you're getting a transplantation. So that's kind of expected. It's yeah, you just don't a, care, like, about that. You're just like, yeah, I want
0: to live. Yeah. Exactly.
1: It's just a little weird to think about still though. Yeah. Um, anyways, okay. So they were able to test that in vitro as well. Um, and they got a really good response. And after they confirmed that it works in vitro, they did a real-time test on mice that has been injected with a tumor cell with a luciferase reporter so they could also monitor it in real-time using bioluminescence imaging.
0: Very cool. And the impressive part, well, even though the whole system is very impressive, so the, one of the very impressive parts as well is that the wearable microneedle sensor was able to perform for 10
1: days. Yeah, 10 that's days. a long that's time. two weeks. It's crazy. So I looked through their materials and methods. So I don't think they actually left the sensor on the mice for the whole 10 days. Because, I mean, over time, there would be a buildup of proteins that can affect the down effect on the graphene. But it'll be really cool to know still. It's still stable for 10 days.
0: Also, the data shows mainly the increase in cell-free DNA concentration it would be interesting to see the decreasing concentration as well. Mm-hmm. I'm also interested to know how stable the signal is because hysteresis is a challenge we often see in sensors and transistors as well for me too. And all sorts yeah. of electronics. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a problem. So there will be something interested. Hopefully they can, you know, address this for future studies. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways. Okay. So that was a lot, but. Very cool as well. A lot of you know Nobel Prize winning technologies all integrated together. So we started from just learning about Nobel Prize winners, and then now it's been manipulated to use something from gene editing technology for sensing purposes. That's it's wow. It's it's amazing. Yes. Super yeah, science
0: is cool, ladies and gentlemen, for I sure. Know. And yes. it's always like, I guess you're taking the best science and yeah. making a sensor out of it. So basically, there you go. Just take all the, the yeah, Nobel and just Prize and put them all together and then do something. I'm just kidding. There's lots of science <laughs> that doesn't get recognized as a Nobel Prize, yes. you know. So um, I would add that um, so transistors, there's um, moss beds, right? No. So mm-hmm. metal oxide, semiconducting field effect transistors. Mm-hmm. And those, I don't know if you remember, but we used to have, I guess, in the back of the big bulky TVs, they would have the transistor tubes. So, the, those tubes were our, our what previous <laughs> transistors, like the bipolar junction and that kind of thing. They were very big and bulky. So, mm. with the invention of the MOSFET system, that's actually what enabled us to kind that's of. That's
1: why it's flat now. And so, that's why
0: everything's like we have all this flat screen technology, oh all my these cell phones. And that's thanks to uh Mohammed Atala and Dawan Kong for their, you know, they've invented this modern transistor that we have yeah. and have billions of chips. And this is the foundation of our technology right now. And they never won the Nobel Prize, right? Yeah. So it's always <laughs>
1: interesting. Um I mean, yeah. there's a lot of things again that's not really recognized but yes, yeah. generally so you don't
0: always take the best of the best you can but there's also other science that
1: doesn't for sure
0: you get recognized but it still has been revolutionary anyways I just wanted to add that because
1: I'm the transistor no, that's specific. really no that's yeah. really cool though yeah, I mean just to we- know your impact on society that's already a big a big contribution and you yes feel and I think it really was uh,
0: one of our earlier interviews from this year
1: mm-hmm. um where
0: they mentioned was it amanda and she Mm -hmm. mentioned like if i have one paper and
1: that helps one person well then i'm happy yeah yeah Yeah. that's all you want and you just want to play with cool stuff (laughs) that's right
0: yeah
1: anyways okay so long story short that is very cool but uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's all that i know for today take care
0: and stay curious